0: Mission is everywhere Telling stories at last Glocal It's a made up word Welcome to the Glocal Podcast Indeed, friends, welcome to the Glocal Podcast. This is number five out of six of our experimental podcast pilot series, where we zoom in to the six North American regions where Resonate works, both to interview a regional leader uh, to kind of get a broad view of that ministry area, but then also zoning in and highlighting and featuring one particular missional expression in that region. Today is a real treat. It's kind of a double-header podcast. The first 20 minutes or so is an interview with Peter Kelder. And this is really special because Peter retired at the end of May. We do have a new person coming on and... We may even have the opportunity to share that person's name at the end of this podcast, so stay tuned. But first, we get to hear a little bit from Peter, who's been with Resonate since its inception, and before that with Home Missions, and before that a pastor, and before that a church planter. And it's just so great to hear his reflections on the region on his work and a blessing from him on how all of us might be encouraged to continue in mission, keeping the main thing, the main thing, which is Jesus and God's mission and vision of shalom and goodness that we all get to work towards and participate in. And then after Nalani's interview with Peter, we'll transport you to Loyola university in Chicago, where I had the opportunity to sit down with Alex shore and just to hear her huge heart for jesus mission and ministry and some updates uh, on what's going on there which i'm sure will inspire and excite all of us like always we will feature some opportunities and upcoming stuff at the end of the podcast so stay tuned for that but for now let's go and visit with nalani and peter
1: So, friends, welcome back. This is Nalini again, and I am thrilled to be able to actually connect with Peter Kelder today, who is one of our regional mission leaders who has recently stepped into a new season in his life, and he's going to talk about that a little bit, looking ahead at retirement. Um, But, Peter, as we're getting started, both Rich Braxman and I had a question of why you're not taking this interview from the beach.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a beautiful day for the beach where I am. I don't know about where you are, but I will be on the beach in Oregon with my two daughters and their families in a week.
1: Oh, That's good. Part
2: part of the family and friends focus for the summer. That's great. That's
1: great, Peter. I'm sure there's going to be folks that are listening to this podcast who probably know you and have connected with you over the years, but there's also going to be some folks that have not had the chance. As we get started, would you just share a little bit about who you are, your connection to Resonate Global Mission, maybe how long you've, in serving the Christian Reformed Church and the different areas that, uh, where you've had the opportunity, the, the opportunity to serve sure. over
2: the years? Sure. Well, um, first, I've been a pastor since 1978. I'm married to my wife, Ruth, and we have four married children. Each of them have two children of their own, but they are in um, North Carolina. That's where my oldest son lives uh, and his family in Sacramento, where my oldest daughter, Jelaine and Aaron and their two kids live. Bill, who everybody in West Michigan would know because he's the infamous Mr. Kelder at Dutton Christian School. And then my youngest, Jana and Jeremy, are, and their two kids are in Seattle. I served churches in, on Long Island, spent a year in internship there as a young seminary almost grad, and then two years as a stated appointment, two-year appointment hmm. as a second staff person there. And then I was eligible for call, and I went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and served a church there for seven and a half years. And then went to the other side of Wisconsin to La Crosse area on Alaska Hope Church there for another seven and a half years. And then I planted a church in Pella, Iowa, which everyone laughs at and thinks is very strange because there were already 11 reformed and Christian reformed churches there. (laughs) But we found in demographics that 40% of Marion County, where Pella resides did not have a relationship to Christ or to the church. And that was sort of our target. And what we ended up doing more so was uh, reaching people who I, I think were dechurched, or, you know, that might be the best way to describe them, but we're willing to try it again and uh, found it different than what they had left maybe 20 years before or amid some trauma or divorce or death in the family or hurt in the church that happened. And so I spent 10 years doing that and then was asked to interview for a regional leader position with Home Missions, with Christian Reformed Home Missions, which I did. That was basically to be in the Chicago area for the 60 churches and the three classes here. And as Home Missions kept having new days and changing things, I inherited four more classes before Resonate began, and I had, so I had seven classes in over 100 churches, and then when Resonate began, I was one of two carryover regional leaders that, along with Amy Schenkel, who came into Resonate, and then was given three more classes, so then it was 10 classes and 200 churches, Um, but it it was great, and uh, retired at the end of May, after 16 years between omissions and resonate timely at this point coming out of the pandemic and also thinking about I'm taking a slot for a good young leader who could really give some more horsepower to the ministry yeah
1: wow that that is great to hear and just even hearing the 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 history and the longevity there and
2: um, yeah longevity is definitely the key Um, not just in the job but you know (laughs) i have lived a long time
1: (laughs) (laughs) lots of experience peter that's great um so -hmm. you're based in chicago right Right. and then it's the central u.s region so can you just talk a little bit some broad strokes of what does that cover but then also maybe what are some specific areas of focus or learning that you were giving attention to
2: yeah well um The region begins on the west end of Lake Michigan with Wisconsin and Illinois and Indiana. Mm -hmm. It extends to Nashville in the east in Tennessee and Indianapolis in the southern part or middle part of Indiana. And then it extends into South Dakota and North Dakota, Minnesota, then down to Iowa and over to Omaha, Lincoln, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. and then down to Kansas City. Kansas and Missouri, and then back up again. So it encompasses about as many states as it does classes, 10 classes, 200 churches. Yeah. um, The central U.S. region sort of ends with Mount Rushmore. That's the closest thing we have to a mountain in our region. We are the Flatlanders. The West Coast has all the mountain places. So Clarence Presley gets to go to Denver and down to Texas and so on. But I get to go to, you know, Pease, Minnesota and um, yeah, Platte, South Dakota, and yeah. places like that. I, I guess my, my DNA, both from the churches that I began in and served, as well as my regional mission role, was about starting new things, was about church planting, uh, working closely with campus ministries as well. We have six of those, a lot of what has happened in the recent past just before I retired was kind of a coming out of the covid which were hard times I think really to think about starting new things there are many ch- classes that were considering starting new ministries right before the pandemic and most of those really either got put on hold or just discontinued because it was impossible to do but what I'm excited about for the the region at this point in time is that We have the opportunity to have a Hispanic ministry in the southern part of Indiana, maybe a couple hours south of Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And we're working at getting some credentialing stuff for the Hispanic pastor who is bivocational and bilingual because he spent some time in Mexico City as a missionary. Before the pandemic, there was a desire to have a, a church plant in western part of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That got held up, but now there's more discussions about that again. We have two opportunities in Nashville, Tennessee. We have an established church there that is trying to decide its future, but we have um, a, a Hispanic pastor who would like to start a church in Nashville. That's a new thing that just popped up about a week or two before I retired. And then the other one is more of a chaplaincy to the music community there, helping kind of reorient them toward faith, kind of repurposing their faith. And there's some neat things that could come about with that. And in Indianapolis, we've had a Burmese pastor who tried to plant a church, but that didn't take in that town. But he has a heart for Burmese ministries. There are about 15, 20,000 Burmese refugees in the Indianapolis area. And he's taking the Timothy leadership training. Pastor Siung Hoop, and he hopes to be kind of like a Burmese missionary, training the elders and young leaders in many small kind of house churches or storefront churches there. And another one that kind of that carried over, we, a lot of his training couldn't happen because of the pandemic, but he just finished cycle one and is able to train elders and deacons in uh, the first segment of Timothy leadership training. Oh, that's great. uh as of last week so he's getting excited about that. Uh, and then in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Ryan Pelton in his church new life, picking up where they left off before the pandemic um, and looking to do a multi-site new ministry there. And there's a number of places that are considering micro churches, which is always kind of exciting. It's the new term for smaller house churches that might meet not on Sunday morning right. but on weeknights we're excited about that and our campus ministries have undergone some transitions Uh, mike winoski retired in wisconsin but his replacement is there um loyola has transitioned from mike moore and tyler ward to um alec and alex they started just being on staff together and now they're married (laughs) so they're (laughs) co-leading that yeah co-leading in Iowa, both Iowa State and Iowa, University of Iowa are looking at new leaders. Tyler Helfer's gone to South Africa and Tom Waltice at Iowa retired. There's a lot, of, a lot of things in flux and a lot of fun things that the new regional mission leader in Central U.S. will be able to get at. I'm excited for that person. Opens the door for a lot of things to potentially be popping up as the year unfolds.
1: That's lovely to be able to, uh, even as you were talking, I was just getting this visual of culturally and just thinking even diversity of the churches and the makeup of the groups and, and um, yeah. Yeah. a beautiful and maybe also challenging gift, right, of being able to connect on all those levels.
2: It, it certainly was a challenge during the pandemic to be able to yeah. connect, that's for sure. A lot of Zoom meetings, which people got really sick of, I think. But you're right, the region is, it seems primarily rural. But you also have, you know, ten of the top fifty urban contexts when you mm-hmm. consider Chicago and Milwaukee and Minneapolis and Des Moines and Kansas City and Indy, Indianapolis, and even Sioux Falls, if sure. you will. You know, large populations of people with with a lot of diversity and challenges to the. The tenor of the region is pretty conservative and also very pretty rural, but then you have these pockets of some of the larger cities in the in the Midwest, shouldn't miss St. Louis. It's another big one down there. Yeah. And so it's, it is it is fun. And, and I think, as I think we're finding across all the regions, but certainly it's been true in ours. We have opportunities, particularly with ethnic diversity, to start new ministries and you know, Spanish-speaking churches, mm. uh, black churches. Some of the neat transitions that are happening is that some of our black churches mm-hmm. that used to have white pastors now have black pastors, yeah. and it makes a huge difference in mm-hmm. terms of their connecting to their communities, because now the community, say for example, in South Holland, looks ninety percent black, but you know, then Glenn McCarthy, you know, made what used to be called Peace Christian Reformed Church, all solidly Dutch. He calls it Reconciliation Church, and it's reaching the community of Black folks who used to drive into the city because that's where their Black church had been when they moved to South Holland, but now they don't have to because that church has transitioned into being a community church wanting to reflect the demographics of, of their community. And it's happening. And then also where Jim Wolfe was at Longdale, great young leader, not even so young. He's probably turning, he's in his 40s, but Eric is going to take over as a Black pastor there. Mm. So um, exciting things for that church also, because it's been a, a kind of a white-led Black church, and now it's a Black-led Black church.
1: Yeah, that's you know, we we were kind of chuckling at the beginning when when you were mentioning longevity, but what a gift for you to be able to see fruit, right? Of seeds planted like over the years and not everybody has that opportunity. So even like, as you're reflecting on that and and talking about this, to be able to see for you thinking about maybe conversations that you were having years ago and and visioning and dreaming, and then to be able to actually see this now to say like, look what's happening in South Holland. Look what's happening with reconciliation church, and so that is. I I just wanted to comment on that, just to say, mm-hmm. what a beautiful gift there.
2: It has. It's been. It's been a wonderful ride, and and uh, just seemed that the time was right, and I knew that I was holding a place where a younger leader could bring a lot of energy into and have some neat opportunities. And so um, while I'm adjusting to retirement, and I haven't quite embraced it fully, I think God's got this, and He's mm-hmm. going to take it another level with the person of, of his choosing, of every confidence that's going to go well for that person as well as for the region. Person has been chosen and it's all confidential yet until it's made public. So right. That's all I can say about that.
1: So we're waiting. <laughs> yes, we are <laughs> waiting with, bated with
2: bated breath. Yes, that's
1: right. Yeah. So Peter, as you reflect over these years, and even as you're just looking at your participation in ministry and mm. the affirmation of of God's calling and invitation to you. How has this been life-giving for you? That's a big question, I know, so. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, it it is. I think I would probably say that what's going to be a challenge for the region, period, is to keep mission the primary thing. We lost some of that, I think, in the whole pandemic time period. Pastors were tired and churches were trying to figure out online things and doing all kinds and now I think post-Synod, it's going to be an interesting time, but an important time to emphasize the mission of God and God doing new things to move beyond where we've just been is, is going to be a challenge for churches. As we go on, my prayer for the region really is that there's just an out, outpouring of new things and mission. You know, it's, it's no secret that in the central U.S. region, Our churches are either really doing well or, you know, sort of at that top of the the curve that might start going down or they're they're wondering whether they're going to be around in five years or less. They need to be helped, but I think they need to be helped to see that it's not in terms of money or all kinds of programs, but it's in getting out of the building and ministering in their neighborhoods and communities in fresh ways. Mm -hmm. that Resonate can help them with through Mm -hmm. go local or through witness or through a whole bunch of even just simple consultations and little kicks in the rear end to help people think about mission again.
1: Yeah. Do you have one example or maybe just a short story of something that I don't want to say it was easy for you to wake up every day and say, I'm going to step into this work, but that you were passionate about stepping into that ministry each day because of stories like this or because of experiences like this.
2: I think one of the best stories ever in this region was when Mike Moore walked onto the campus of Loyola and said, I think you should hire me. And they said, why should we hire you? And he said, well, he said, I'm a, I'm a Protestant. You're a Catholic university of 10,000 students he said, well, how about I take the Protestants? And they said, yeah, you can have, you know, I think there's 7,000 Catholics and there's 3,000 others you can have at that. And so, but, but but they were quick to add, but we can't pay you. Hmm. And so the first year, you know, as Mike was a single young man sleeping on a mattress in the dining room of a house with several other men, he started that work. And, Within a couple of years, well, within one year, they were saying, you do such good work. We want to pay you this, this next year. Mm-hmm. And they put it in the budget. And we were paying him, of course, to, you know, to at least put food on the table and cover his rent and stuff. You know, interestingly, at the very same time, their Loyola men's volleyball team were NCAA champs. Mm-hmm. And Mike got to know them and was the chaplain for that team. As they went to the, to the NCAA, same thing happened with the basketball team in subsequent years. And on, a lot of our campus ministries are kind of graduate student driven. Um, but they went into the dorms on Wednesday night and did Bible studies and they had Sunday evening worship. And it wasn't long and they were gathering over 100 undergraduate students and uh, training a number of them. Uh, Mike's been out of the campus ministry now for probably a good 5 6 years. He still coaches them, mentors them and comes alongside them, but he's not on campus anymore. There have been two iterations since, but you know the leaders that he trained are now the leaders of the ministry who have, you know, two people who they have taken alongside them to be in interns and training them so that they might give their life to full-time ministry on the campus or beyond mm-hmm. so it's just a an interesting thing and the first time it came to class as one of the elders stood up and challenged this and said what are we protestants doing on a catholic campus mm-hmm. and uh and we said well we're going to see what god does yeah. and it passed thankfully <laughs> that they would support it as well and uh the rest is history. It, it, it's those kind of surprising and serendipitous things, I think, that that just make you realize that not about me. It's not mm-hmm. about us. It's really about God and He's way ahead of us. Yeah. We just we just really have to run to catch up to mm-hmm. him in terms of all he's got in store for us. Yeah. So it's always been really a a, a love for the church that I have and a love for ministry. And, and just the love to be able to talk to people about how can they, you know, serve their God better in, in terms of their mission. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: that kept me going every for all 16 years. And I'd still I still want to do stuff like that. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. So as you're entering into this new season for you and family. What are some words of wisdom that you want to leave us with as we continue to listen well to the Holy Spirit, stepping out and wanting to be courageous in those spaces mm-hmm. where God is inviting us? How, how would you encourage and also challenge?
2: Well, the, the simplest way I can put that is just uh, encourage and challenge us to keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm. And to me, the main thing is, you know, the, the mission of God that we have the privilege of, of, of expanding and sending forward. Whatever that looks like, whether it be a micro church, whether it be a new ministry in the classic sense, whether it be another campus that we're working on, whether it be an ethnically diverse church, you know, all those things I think are pleasing to God and will help to to build his church. So have at it, do it, keep it going. So
1: thank you, Peter, the, the mm-hmm. wisdom there and the, just the encouragement for now, Peter, we're going to be hearing a little bit from from Alec Shore, who you have already mm-hmm. referenced and serving yep. in campus ministry.
2: Well, yeah, she'll do a great job in, in introducing that she and Alec are a treasurer. I had my central U.S. regional team come to Chicago and we we stayed up by Loyola and Alex and Alec hosted us on the campus. The morning after everybody got there, and we we had a conversation about engaging people different than us. She'll have some wonderful stories she she shared, and Alec both shared how they were connecting to even to Muslim mm-hmm. and to um, other faiths and working together for social justice and so on on the campus. Mm-hmm. I think those things are important as well. And and I remember as we were departing and and had we finished with lunch and we were walking away from the restaurant and. We said to each other, to Alec and Alex and Ruth and myself, let's not just end here. Let's stay in touch and intend to do that, to be come alongside. I think that the campus is going to have some challenges with what Synod decided, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're going to have to work through some of that stuff. I don't know how intimately we'll be involved, but, but I know Ruth and I went away from that saying, let's get up there once in a while to mm-hmm. show up for a Sunday evening or have coffee with them or lunch with them again sometime. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm still trying to find my, my legs in terms of retirement, but I have been approved to be an interim pastor, a specialized tra- interim trained pastor. Okay. And I'm actually going to do a, a bit of a stint. My oldest son and his wife and two kids are on the East coast and their church is vacant And I'm going to be interim pastor there from the fall until like about the month of February. So for six months, which will give a great opportunity. Uh, Ruth's brother lives out there. So we'll be able to watch Packer games with him, you know, to be able able to actually participate in some of the school events that the grandkids there are involved in, which we've never been able to do will be great. So.
1: yeah yeah peter it's 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 been a, a gift and a joy for me to be able to to hear your reflections and and even in just hearing how you want to stay intentional in, in connecting with with alex and alec that that just shows so much also of, of you your personality your love for the ministry and also for for ongoing discipleship right discipleship and mentoring and I can, I can sense that that just kind of flows out of you. So um, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that, that God will continue to open those doors and those opportunities for you. Um, and so thank you so much, Peter, for, thank you, yeah, for all your, your years. I, you know, I, I guess I'm saying <laughs> this on, on behalf of me and Rich and, and our colleagues, but all your years of the places that you've invested and the mm-hmm. places that you've been able to serve and 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 teach and come alongside but also your own learning right and your own learning right. and then being able to give back through that and that yeah. is that is a huge gift for us and so i just want to say thank you and we'll be praying for you and ruth and thanks. your family in, you. in in the days and months and years ahead
2: great thank you very much good to be yeah. with you thanks peter blessings to you thank you bye-bye
0: all right well Thanks so much for doing this, and I'm here with Alex Shore on the shore side at Loyola (laughs) University (laughs) in Chicago and in your office uh, in in the campus ministry area at Loyola. And yeah, just super excited to uh, talk to you and learn a little bit more about what you're doing and what you've done and what goes on here and uh, and how it all connects. So thanks for doing this. Well,
3: hey, thanks for being here. It's always fun to have a visitor and I've already talked your ear off a lot. So looking forward to a little bit more.
0: Awesome. Well, one of my first questions that I that came up for me is it's Agape Ecclesia and it's campus ministry and it's a church on campus and so I'm wondering how those things fit together and came about and And how long they've been going as two things or or one thing? Yeah.
3: Great question. And one that I get often. So we are Agape and Ecclesia. We're a church on Loyola's campus. Um, We are Loyola's Protestant campus ministry. Um, I've been around on staff for the past five years. Um, But Agape and Ecclesia goes goes back, let's say, like a decade and a half. I think maybe it was sometime around maybe... 15 or 16 years ago, there was actually a student Bible study already happening on campus called Agape. Hmm. Um, And a pastor named Mike um, had just, he had finished seminary, he had finished his programs, all these fun things, and was just looking for a campus to serve. And so he came to Loyola's campus ministry department and was like, hey, you have um you have people willing to like serve and minister to your catholic students your jewish students your muslim students your hindu students but you don't have anyone for your protestant students like i'd love to i'd love to be that person and they're like well we'd love to have you uh loyola is super big on interfaith and regardless Mm. of what tradition or background um you come from having people here at loyola to walk alongside you and support you so basically gave Mike Moore an office and said and and a small stipend and said here you go care for our students and so Mike's first step was to just see what was already happening on students and so he had found that Small group uh, Bible study, Agape, and he got connected and just joined as a participant and listened to the students and got to know them and um, just kind of continued ministry that way for a couple of years. And then, um, as Agape sort of became more of an official campus ministry um, student group, we'll say, some of the students had expressed to Mike that um, they wanted to start a worship service. And so Mike was like, Yeah, sure. Like, Let's figure it out let's let's start one right um and so then ecclesia came on the side they're like well if this one group is agape and it's greek let's just like continue the greek theme here and we'll do ecclesia and call it ecclesia um and so eventually students kind of started realizing like oh the same students that come to agape on a wednesday night for bible study are also coming to ecclesia on sunday night for worship so let's just combine the two of mm-hmm. them. And so it kind of became Agape and Ecclesia as one. And then there was a, I think Mike had a discipleship meeting with a student at some point when those two had sort of like formed together. And he had asked the student like, oh, like what, where would you consider your church? And, and so the student named a local church in the area. And Mike was like, oh, like, what do you, what do you do there? And he's like, oh, I go there on Sundays. And Mike was like, oh, that's, that's great. Like, what, what do you do here at Agape and Ecclesia? I was like, well, I, I worship on Sunday nights. And then on Tuesday nights, we pray together. On Wednesday nights, we read scripture together. On Thursday, we have our community meals together. Usually, occasionally on the weekends, we serve and go out into the community. Started listing off all of these things. And it, it just kind of clicked where it's like, wow, yeah. it really sounds like, Agape and Ecclesia is your where you are being the church, like you are being the church community right. um, with your fellow students and with the fellow Rogers Park community. And so I wasn't around for this era, but at right. some point in there, Agape and Ecclesia – began to identify as a church on campus and so over the years and Ecclesia has become Loyola's official protestant campus ministry so um, that really helps us be able to connect with protestant students on campus and in terms of reaching out to students and students finding us um, so i think we celebrated Ecclesia's Tenth birthday, the month before the pandemic, with a big old oh, wow. party, and that was the last big event we had oh, before man. the pandemic shut down. Yeah. Um, so Ecclesia is technically around what twelve years old. I think that means Agape is fifteen years old. So together we fit in some somewhere around that range. But hopefully right. that kind of gave some context to where no, where we came from and yeah. how we got here.
0: That's super cool. So so some of the uh, the more front facing things seem like that Wednesday gathering Mm -hmm. and the 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 sunday evening but from what you said too i love how so often i think in churches we lament that church is too much just sunday morning Mm -hmm. and that the the there is that opportunity being on campus where people do life together to kind of engage in that monday monday through saturday that, that we long for connection to but that also makes me wonder a little bit about who comes and mm-hmm. and do they show up for, like if it's mostly students, is it undergrad? Do they show up for four years and then they're they're gone? And, and that must be challenging too.
3: Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. Okay. So Adopin <laughs> Ecclesia is made mostly of undergrad students. Occasionally we have some um, folks from the neighborhood and from the mm. community who come by. Um, we've got some It's funny because really, quote unquote, older is really anybody that's above the age of 22, which is funny. (laughs) Um, We have some older folks in the community that uh, just really care about college students and want to come and enter into mentorship and discipleship relationships with students. But for the most part, it's probably like 95% undergraduate students with the occasional alumni or community partner that come through our doors and it it is hard because it's like oh we only get this community for four years Uh, but it's interesting because it also kind of seems the, the, I feel like Chicago can sometimes be a very transient community as well. People hmm. coming in for a couple of years and then moving on somewhere else or people coming into the city and then moving out to the suburbs for a couple of years. So the, the turnover rate is definitely high, but we try and make the best out of the whether it's four years that we have students or if they get connected their senior year and really plug in. But yeah. it definitely is not your traditional church setup. Um, and some people are like, well, is it really a church if it's just 18 to 22 year olds? And I'm like, well, is it really a church if it's just 70 to 90 year olds? <laughs> so no no shade to either side, right. but definitely recognizing that we're not as intergenerational as we would like to be, but also hoping maybe someday we can get to that point too.
0: Right. And and it's, yeah, the, the, the nature of the place where you're at, yes, right? Yes. Um, I, a couple of weeks ago, I I went to Sarnia. And that was really interesting, but they're they're actually making laws, like to to benefit the aging community there, ah. um, because well that's who they've got. So yeah. bless yeah. who you've got, right? Yes. If you're on campus, this is who you've got, yes. and you want to bless and work with you've got. Um, so now you were a student. You yes. were one of those. Yes. You were part of that demographic. Yes. Uh, so I'm really curious about, you You mentioned a little bit before we hit record of, of how you uh, started finding out about this mm-hmm. ministry as a participant first. So I'm curious how that journey happened. Yeah.
3: So I grew up in the church. I grew up in an ELCA church in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, so not too far from where Loyola is right now. Um, I was definitely one of those people that had researched all the clubs and organizations before coming to campus my freshman year. So Agape and Ecclesia was on my list nice. along with a few other Christian ministries. Um and so within the first month or two of my freshman year, I checked out these different ministries. And I remember um coming to Agape my I think the first week my freshman year and Everyone just seemed so cool and everyone was really nice. And I was super shy freshman Alex. Like I was not very social. I thought everyone was really nice, but I wasn't going to be reaching out myself. I was just going to keep showing up week after week, which is what I did. I just Mm -hmm. kept showing up. Um, And there there was something that kept me coming back, something about the community, something about the way people actually talked about God, um, there's like a sense of a personal relationship that I just really wasn't familiar with and hadn't heard people Hmm. talk about before. And I remember going to one of the um, prayer nights uh, one Tuesday, I think it was like the second semester. And I remember people just praying and worshiping. Someone grabbed a a Bible out of their back pocket and just like opened up page and started reading scripture. I'm like, who literally carries a Bible in their back pocket? (laughs) Like, This guy does, I guess. And um, there's just something so tangible in the air that I remember very specifically from that night that I remember from other um, other evenings and worship gatherings too. And it took me a couple of years where I was like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. Like mm. the Holy Spirit was just alive and present and kept me coming back and back. Um, and so I was like, this is a community I really want to plug into. I want to be a part of um, the way that people talked about their faith and following Jesus was just unlike anything I'd ever not just heard before but had ever seen before like the way that people were also just really honest about the things that they were struggling with and how they were asking Jesus to move in their lives Hmm. Um, my parents were going through a divorce and I remember someone had gotten up on stage uh, during testimony time to share about how God was moving in their family relationships and how God was moving in their mental health and they started talking about depression and anxiety and all these things and as a freshman I'd never heard anybody talk about these things usually in general but especially In a faith context and I was like whoa like God is real and he's moving through these people and he's moving through real issues like this is this is a community I want to be a part of and so I stuck around somehow for some reason they offered very shy Alex a position Hmm. leading a bible study the next year I was uh, my freshman year, I would go to Bible study every week, but I wouldn't talk. I would just nod my head and listen and soak it all in. But anytime someone asked me a question, I would like, pretend to have a sneezing attack i'd pretend to go to the bathroom i just wouldn't nice. answer i was just so <laughs> nervous so i was really really surprised when they asked me to lead a bible study but i said yes that was the one
0: way to get you. that to was talk. one way
3: to get me to talk well even in our student leadership meetings um my pastor would take me aside after the meetings one-on-one and be like okay so alex you didn't say anything in that meeting. What were you actually thinking? And then I would I would say what I was thinking. Right. He's like, you should try saying that next time. And then he started calling me out in the meetings. And so oh, nice. slowly but surely got me out of my shell. But I started leading Bible studies, um, discipling other students, and just really found a passion for ministry. Um, and then my senior year, I remember I came home from a discipleship meeting with a student once, and I was talking to my roommate, and I was like, Oh man, Mary! Like, what if? What if this was a job? Like, what if you could just meet with students and like plan worship nights and like coordinate Bible studies? Like, and that was it. You could be on college or at college, but not have to do the homework. Like, what if that was a job? <laughs> and I remember just being like, "Oh, that'd be so fun!" And then a couple hours later, I was uh, standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes, where I feel like God often meets me, and there was a light bulb moment where I'm like oh my gosh, that is a job. That's what Mike does, my pastor at the time. And um, I was like, oh, interesting. We'll have to see. What were you taking at the
0: time? What What, was that? What were you taking? Um, I was an
3: international. Well, I started off bio pre-med and then I switched um, to an international studies major and sociology. And so I was taking a a series of classes that I did enjoy. But the idea of doing ministry full time sounded a lot more fun than whatever else I was going to do. Long story short, graduated, had a heart for Agapin Ecclesia, was also serving with World Vision at the time okay. and really felt a call to like be in ministry with both. And God made a way for a couple years. I was part time here at Agapin Ecclesia, part time with Team World Vision. And then a wow. couple years ago, I was like, I, I need to be full time somewhere wow. because two part time ministry jobs isn't really part-time they're both full-time and my life was going a little chaotic so been full-time here at agape and ecclesia for the past couple of years that was probably a longer answer than you were no that's good looking for well
0: i love too though how the university context is one where where people are well coming of age literally and engaging with all kinds of ideas and Mm -hmm. thoughts and trying to be like who am i what matters what's important yes and it's strange unfortunate sometimes in church culture in my experience anyway shy alex might not have had those questions asked in the same way as on campus where it's like no we we want to hear from you and we want so that's kind of really beautiful that that Mm -hmm. it created the soil for you to kind of grow and and come into that and and now you've gone to university and never been able to leave exactly (laughs)
3: they just can't get rid of me yeah
0: yeah that's awesome so you say you've been here a couple years full-time
3: full-time yes this is my fifth year of being on staff with Agape and ecclesia my with the pandemic kind (laughs) of it's like wow what is time trying to think through the pandemic i think this is my third third year being full-time
0: Okay. And then my other question. So you are Alex married to Alec. Yes. So yes. I, I've got to just ask How? who also works for the yes. campus ministry. So yes. I've got to ask that question. How did that come about?
3: <laughs> well, um, I don't know if Alec will ever listen to this, so I feel like I can say this. He hates when I start this way, but Alec was actually my freshman year RA. So I moved on to campus and Alec was one of the first people I met. I was a freshman he was a junior very not interested in him very nice great guy totally not interested but um i became part of agape in ecclesia some of his friends convinced him to start getting um familiar with the ministry so our circles kind of overlapped for a couple of years but right. only at like a surface level friend level um and then he graduated went away and did a year of service and came back and um, started working for Agape and Ecclesia. And in a similar fashion, I graduated, did a year of my own thing, came back and started working for Agape and Ecclesia. Right. And so we were we were friends. We were colleagues for a couple of years, but he was dating somebody else, and I was not interested just in general. Right. Um, and then summer of 2019, um, he and his girlfriend broke up, fall of 2019 I'm like oh this is weird why am I why am I looking at Alec differently why am I thinking of him differently and then I was like oh no I have a crush on him like (laughs) oh my goodness like no god this is not funny like we cannot do this he's my colleague we work together like it'll just change so many things he just got out of a relationship I don't want to mess with that so I basically I just committed to praying about it and for it for six months before seeing anything. And it was a really long six months. But eventually, uh right before the pandemic, Alec asked me out on a date and so we started dating. Then the pandemic hit, eventually oh, yeah, we got engaged, right. married, here we are.
0: All right. In the in the pandemic. <laughs> yes, no in the, all in yeah. the pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> that, Lots of a, fun. What a cool story. <laughs> I I'm curious not so much how has has the pandemic changed things but does does it feel like things are coming back
3: yes it yeah. feels so good it feels so good the the pandemic really threw a wrench into things for mm. everyone and for very obvious reasons I think um, here for us specifically the school year was the hardest year of ministry for our entire team for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Foundationally, the pandemic, but also there was – uh, divisive election here in the united States right, there right. are a lot of other polarizing conversations happening in our ministry over zoom because mm. we couldn't be in person we couldn't have conversations face to face everyone right. was separated and we were trying to connect but um, it, it was just it was just really hard and yeah. it was really painful and uh, even trying to like welcome new students to campus who aren't on campus and starting their college experience right. home and isolated from other people people or seniors who had been looking forward to walking that stage for years and worked so hard. There was just there was a lot of feelings. There was a lot of pain. There was mm-hmm. a lot of just grief over what could have been, what should have been, what might have been, all these things. Um and so this past year, fall of 2021, being able to start the school year on campus right. and get back to most of our our rhythms was just like Oh, such a such yeah. a thrill! Like having like a triple shot latte or something, and just so much excitement, <laughs> so much energy. Um, even this past semester, like our our being able to like worship without masks for the first time was like, whoa! I can see other people's faces. There was something the first Sunday yeah. after the mask mandate was lifted, and it took us a little bit to figure out there was something different about worship that night, and we couldn't figure out what it was. And we were was like, oh, we could hear people better like just the mm. sound of worshiping voices just brought the volume in the room to another level and it was just really beautiful so it's yeah. very uh, it's very refreshing to hopefully be on the other side of things
0: yeah well and it's it's relational ministry yes. right it's about yes. being together and and it's really hard to do and when, when it's manufactured yes yes yeah. so w- looking back looking forward what so what are you looking forward to you're at the end of a semester mm-hmm. probably Mm-hmm. going into the slow time. Yes. So this is that time of reflecting on like what you have loved in the past and w- what you're hoping for. and
3: yeah. 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 So, I mean, definitely like looking back at this past year just the little things have meant so much more like Mm. getting to randomly meet up with a student who dm'd us on instagram um, or uh, getting to have meals together in the dining hall just honestly we have come to appreciate so much more just the little things Mm -hmm. or the 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 weekly rhythms that we had taken for granted um i've loved this past year getting to host my small group in my home and to like something so simple as just being able to eat a meal together and study scripture just because for so long it's like oh you can't can't meet in groups can't have people over all of these things right it, it, now that we can it's like oh this is so this is so great I'm also a chaplain for the women's volleyball team and so oh, um, cool. getting to be with them in person this year and connect with the players and walk alongside a lot of them um, especially some who are going through really hard life situations right now has been yeah. really fruitful um, really Really life-giving and meaningful for me I love I, yeah I just love getting to talk to students like yeah. whether it's like a random conversation when I see somebody in the student center or really intentionally someone asks to meet for coffee and share these really big life questions mm-hmm. and hard conversations um, just getting to connect with students is like it, it's the lifeline it's it's what it's like the caffeine to my day it's what makes me keep going so
0: it's nice. a lot of fun you, you've come back to that caffeine metaphor a couple I of
3: have. times. I have. It could be because I am looking at the cup we're of sharing caffeine a coffee. right this in front of good. me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
3: Uh, caffeine is also an integral part of keeping <laughs> me awake and alive during ministry. So I was
0: going to say, I can go with that <laughs> metaphor. I, I also yeah. relate to it very well. But one thing you said, being the, the chaplain of the, the volleyball women's volleyball team. team. Yep. Yeah. Like there's so many different spaces to navigate being on campus, right? Yes. It's a Catholic university, Yes. but there's a multi-faith chaplaincy so there's there's different faith groups there's sports you've got all all the fields yeah um I get how, how do you find people? How do you connect people? Do most of them come to you? Yeah. Great
3: question. Um, I'm going to give a little context to Loyola and then jump into that question. Yeah. Um, so Loyola is a Jesuit Catholic university in Chicago. Uh, I think we've got maybe like somewhere around 12 to 14,000 students. A That's good me. chunk of them identify as Catholic, whether or not they are practicing Catholics is is not for me to decide uh, but then we've also got a large population of Muslim students Hindu students, Protestant students Jewish students right. there there is a large sense of religious diversity on mm-hmm. campus um, and so yeah. a lot of students come to Loyola because they appreciate that and I think Loyola does a really great job at um, making faith available and accessible regardless of what background you come from but yeah I mean it's super fun we get to connect with sports teams um I'm the volleyball chaplain Alec is the chaplain for the men's track and cross country team um and so when it comes to like do students find us do we find students it's kind of both I mean this is this is like nitpicky and practical but Their freshmen take a survey before they start indicating if they have a religious background or preference and we get the names and emails of every student that checks Protestant so at the beginning of the year we reach out to them we we tell them who we are what we're about invite them to join us and and a good chunk of students connect with us that way um, we have uh, an organization fair at the beginning of the semester a faith fest where students can come check out different faith opportunities on campus so there are definitely ways Ways where like students know who we are and can come find us but I'd say there are also plenty of ways where we just meet students where they are whether that's right. in the dining halls whether that's chaplaining teams whether that's um alec plays alex main version of ministry is probably playing basketball in the campus rec center like right, he needs a right. ton of students um that are like whoa you're a pastor like oh can i talk to you or like whoa what's that like what does that mean mm-hmm. here at Lula? all these things so uh, probably a both and of students finding us and us going to find the students as well
0: yeah i was hearing um a, a stat the other day well when 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 students come to the university, they're, they're at that formative time, they're coming of age, they're, they're learning all these things, but in part due to pandemic, in part due to the, just, crazy increase of polarization. Mm-hmm. I, I think this happens as early as middle school that there's this kind of like increase in anxiety and I'm yes. sure that's true yes. in the university context too. Anything on that or just yeah? Yeah,
3: indeed. I yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting. I I've noticed in the past 5 years of ministry like when it rains it pours. It's not mm. just one thing, it's not two things, it's like bam 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 bam. And for whatever reason there was there's a week in mid-April where I was feeling out report after report after report um referring our students to the dean of students to our wellness center um we call them care reports um anybody on campus can fill them out for someone else if they're concerned about their academics their personal well-being their mental health and there's just a A week and a half where one student unexpectedly lost her dad, where two students um, shared that they had experienced sexual assault on campus. Another student was suicidal, another one wasn't sure if they would be able to finish the semester because they had this undiagnosed stomach pain that had been nagging and getting worse and worse for the last couple of months and all of those conversations happened within a week and a half of one another it was like bam 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 and so we see things like students experiencing hardship but then Mm. also just kind of like the day-to-day anxiety depression sometimes suicidal ideation like it's it's very prevalent on campus, yeah. um, and I think as a university student, especially here at Loyola, there is a lot of pressure <laughs> right. uh, to be the best, to do the best. I think it's really easy for students to define themselves by their GPA or the amount of hours they don't sleep or how many internships they have, how much right. they work, all of these things, and I think it just really catches up to students, and I think the pandemic just being so isolating i think it's i think students have almost regressed in their social skills and abilities to reach out to connect with other people to not be alone Um, Mm -hmm. to feel like they belong somewhere i think is really challenging it can be really challenging at this point in a young adult's life and so we certainly see a lot of students coming through this door, as I point to my right, office door, and right. sitting on this chair, as I point to the rocking chair in our office, <laughs> yeah. talking through these things and sharing things that they didn't know it was okay to talk about um, right. and invite us into those spaces. So there's definitely, definitely a lot of that going on.
0: Yeah. When, when you were talking about connecting with students, I'm imagining, you know what, Ca- cafeteria tables are here there e- everywhere in this office etc mm-hmm. i know in crc resonate world some campus ministries are they're not officially recognized mm-hmm. there's no uh chaplaincy or multi-faith yeah. center and so they're just trying to make it happen and, and others are sort of you know the universities at, at some level recognizing that yeah we need we need to meet our students health needs we need to yes. psychological needs but also there's spirituality needs to be supported
3: absolutely yeah I think Loyola does a great job of that Mm -hmm. I I mean I always think there's like opportunity to grow and how we can better serve students or how we can make sure all students know that we're really here to support them or I think there's a high demand and a high need for for counselors for people to connect to or I know students here at Loyola they I think they get six sessions of free counseling at the wellness center A lot of students I talk to need a lot more than six sessions. And so figuring out like, okay, what do we have the capacity for? How can we help students out? How can we expand their capacity? But I am grateful that Loyola really does prioritize mental well-being, spiritual well-being, and I think does a decent job at figuring out how to integrate those things together.
0: Yeah. What do you think in your average church congregation that's not right next door to a a university, like what would surprise them to know about ministry here? Mm,
3: Dude, that's a good question. It sounded like I said, dude, that's a good question. But I think I was making some sort of like, hmm, that's a good question. Just in case you could probably cut this part out. I like Um, the dude, dude, (laughs) dude, that's that's a good good question. question. Um, I think just that. I don't know if this sounds too churchy but I feel like college campuses are just like ripe for the harvest like mm. I feel like there are, I feel like there are students because of kind of what you had mentioned earlier, like 18 to 22 students on a university college campus, they're asking questions, they're figuring out who they are, what they're called to, what are they doing after college? Right. Like, who are they meant to be in this world while also navigating major life transitions and mental health issues and the pressures of college mm-hmm. and where do they belong, how do they fit in? They're like, they, college students are asking a yeah. lot of questions, whether they're asking them out loud or just inside their own heads. Right. Um, I feel like, I feel like Jesus is the answer to all of those questions and students might not see it, but I feel like it gives us as campus ministers, just anything and everything on a college campus, I feel like is the opening point to starting a conversation about Jesus or about relationships or about connecting with people. And so, um, I think more often than not, you'll find people on campus eager to talk about faith or about what they believe or what they don't believe people are certainly um really comfortable and willing to share their stories about where they've come from as they're asking all these questions um when i think about maybe kind of like the church world in particular I think of a lot of my students who have been in the ministry for a couple of years, like they're, they're ready. Some of them some of them are going to stay um, mm-hmm. and, and serve in this ministry, but um, a lot of them are ready to go out and serve in other churches right. and other contexts and they're like fired up and they're excited. Mm. Um, but then sometimes they get a little bit stuck because they move to a new city, get a new job, connect to a different community and church. And aren't really sure where to put their skills and their passions to work Um, so it sometimes feels like post-grad other churches in the area or wherever students go to don't necessarily know how to respond to students who have been leading and engaging and participating in their version of church for the past four years and they're kind of like whoa, I, I led Bible study over here. I led my worship team over here. Does this church want me to plug in? I think right. sometimes there's kind of a readjustment that needs to happen as students transition from college to um, maybe a more traditional church setting or as they're moving and doing new jobs where it's like they want to serve, but they don't know how to connect. Yeah. They're, trying to fi- they're trying to figure out what that looks like. So I honestly, I kind of forgot what your original question was, but that was one of the rabbit trails that I went down.
0: That No, that's a good one. And and that actually re- kind of reminds me of a drum I, I want to beat, which is that young young adults, in, engaging young adults in, in ministry and that so often people go off to university or on a trip or an adventure or into the workplace and come back in a sense however that that plays out Mm -hmm. in a church not through any fault or ill will but churches you know they keep doing things the way they do it and they have the same voices and the same volunteers but just to to echo that that sense of what an opportunity for these young people who have who are coming from these spaces they can lead they yeah. have they have unique voices they mm-hmm. have unique perspective uh give them the mic so to speak bring them to the front of the church Al- yeah. allow them to use their gifts for for the sake of the whole church right yes that, yeah. yes
3: we we often tell our students that you're not the church of tomorrow you're the church of today like, right. you're the church of now um, and then when they graduate it's there can sometimes be barriers or roadblocks to getting involved and i think i think both churches learning how to adjust to young adults just graduating but also young adults learning how to adjust and and get plugged into more intergenerational communities i definitely think i think the more intergenerational college students and, and post-college students can work with older folks realizing nobody has it all figured out right. both sides have something right. to learn I think the better off will all be
0: yeah yeah and and the encouragement to just embrace the awkwardness yes. of that journey and yes. and do it because it's worth it to, yes. to do together well I want to come to a close a little bit by asking how can how can people pray for you Uh, How can people, can they connect and and hear more about what's going on with Agape Ecclesia at Loyola?
3: Yeah, people, hey, if you're (laughs) listening to this and you're like, whoa, I love Chicago, I love college students, I love Loyola, I want to hear more stories. I've got stories for days, so I, I am happy to talk to anybody and everyone Folks could definitely subscribe to our newsletter. We send out newsletters to our supporters, um, to those who are praying for and caring about our ministry. So that's definitely um, one way to get connected. We love it when people just come visit us. Like, this Mm -hmm. is so fun and life giving. Um, Summer is quote unquote our off season. We Mm -hmm. spend a good chunk of summer. Resting nice. <laughs> the school year. Uh, we we love, um, my husband and I talk about this often, like, wow, we have a job where we actually get summers. We actually yeah. get winter break. Like, not everyone has that. It. It's really nice. But right. the times when we are working, it's not a typical nine to five. So right. the, the school year is kind of exhausting. So we're going to take a little bit of a break um, and then spend the rest of the summer strategizing and support raising. So we will always take prayers for generosity in our support raising yep, meetings sure. and things like yeah. that. Um And maybe I could close with, uh, it's, it's a prayer request, but maybe I can close with a story of maybe one of my highlights yeah, from the yeah. semester and then transition yeah, sure. that into the prayer request. And if I go too long, you can always cut me off. <laughs> but uh, kind of bringing it back to being chaplain for the women's volleyball team. You can see we've got a volleyball up here. Yeah. Got um, the volleyball team schedule hanging up on the door signed by my players. Uh, It's so fun that I get to hang out with the volleyball team, some of which would say they're Christian. Some are not. Some just aren't sure. And I just get to be there and Mm -hmm. be a support. I get to sit on the bench at the home volleyball teams. I get to cheer my heart out, encourage them, host retreats and different things like that, which is super fun. Um, So last... September I had a a player reach out to me and she was like hey Alex can we like get together for lunch sometime I want to talk to you about something I'm like yeah of course like let's get together and um it was it was maybe the first week of September and uh she asked me hey so can you teach me how to pray. Um, my mom is sick. She's in the hospital and they don't know what's wrong with her. And I'm really nervous Mm. and I want to talk to God and I want to ask him to heal her, but I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Like, can can you teach me how to talk to God? And you know, my campus minister heart is like, Oh my goodness. Like, (laughs) this is the best question I could ever be asked of course. And so, um, I kind of explained to her what prayer was and asked her a little bit about her background. And she grew up um, in the Catholic Church and going to Catholic school, but didn't didn't really know what it looked like to pray on her own, and so um, I right. kind of just told her like, hey, you can just just talk to God, like tell him what's on your heart, and 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 share with him like what you're hoping he'll do, and um, you can ask him to bring healing for your mom. And I asked her if she had a Bible, and she said no. So thank you Amazon for quickly delivering nice. a beautiful pink Bible the next day. Um, I highlighted some verses and uh, met up with her later that week to to give her the Bible and to explain some things to her. And um, she told me. Later Later that week that she had gone to the chapel and she had brought her Bible with her and she started praying through some of the Psalms and felt this incredible sense of peace she had never felt before. Um, And unfortunately that weekend, I got a phone call from um, the head coach. Um, Her mom had been diagnosed with advanced stage four gallbladder cancer. And so Hmm. her world just got turned upside Mm -hmm. down in a matter of days. And I'll probably get emotional talking about it because Hmm. I've just seen... God worked through um, this student in so many ways over the past six to eight months. But we have yeah. met up every week since then um, to talk about faith, to talk about mm. God, to talk about life, to talk about death, to talk about how to pray, how to read scripture. Almost every question under the sun we has kind of come up just as we've met together um, over the past couple of months. Um, and she got involved in my Bible study this past mm. semester. She started coming to... Um, our worship services. She, uh, the the people in our small group started praying over her wow. and her mom, and just the total. I don't even know because it's not necessarily a 180, but from where she was in September to where she is now as like a proud Christian, mm-hmm. like she's so excited every week to, to show me her prayer book and to read this prayer that really stuck out to her. Or we wow. um, were going, we were going through um, a Bible in 40 days thing. And she was like, Alex, like, i never heard that explained before. Like, that is so cool. Like, did you know God does this and this and this? And I'm like, That is awesome. And so um, it's just been really sweet to walk alongside her this past school year and to see someone come with just such curiosity about who God is and what he can do. And in the midst of the most painful and hardest of circumstances, she continues to trust in God and ask God for healing and ask God for faith. And so... My prayer request would be for this student. Her name is KJ, and her mom is Kim. Um, mm, and Kim's yeah. chemo um, is no—her chemo is no longer working. So, oh man, um, she's probably got—I'm trying not to cry on a podcast, but <laughs> she's she's got maybe maybe two to four months left. And wow. so, um, just being able to walk alongside KJ in this season has been really um, has been really mm. just an honor. Um, but Prayers for Kim in the last couple of months that she has here um, and prayers for KJ as she continues to support her mom and um, be with her family, but also as she really continues to uh, pursue her relationship with the Lord. Um, It's her her faith that has given her so much so much hope in such a foundation um, these past couple of months and it's a it's a story I never would have imagined having at the beginning of this past school year and so um, just praise be to God for the ways he orchestrates and ordains divine moments and divine conversations and divine relationships and um, this is this is just for me the heartbeat of campus ministry yes. is getting to have these conversations and yeah. walking through the ups and downs with students, um, holding grief and gratitude in, in both hands. So yeah. that's my, <laughs>
0: oh, that's my awesome. story
3: of the morning and also a prayer request for anyone who's out there.
0: Yeah, no, that's so good. And honestly, like, I I think we barely were able to scratch the surface, but the thing yeah. that's so beautiful about campus ministry and what's happening here too, is that ministry of presence, yes. right? Like. You you get to occupy these spaces. The volleyball team. You probably didn't anticipate that a few years back. Yeah, no and yet, way. And yet there you are, and and just saying yes to the opportunities that that God brings about, and 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 walk with um, those who God brings you. Yes. and that's so beautiful and yes. so right. So I think that's an awesome way to to end and an awesome uh, picture, but also a real incarnate lived on the ground situation that we can join you in praying for yes but thank you so much alex for for this time i i love it it's encouraging to me and i'm sure it's going to be encouraging for lots of people too
3: well thanks rich for having me uh it's been a blast and you are always welcome back at
0: Loyola nice awesome for more coffee yes (laughs) Well, friends, you made it to the end once again on our longest one to date. So we've been very geographically focused today on Central U.S. And as promised, I want to make the announcement that Reverend Brad Minders has accepted the role of regional mission leader for the Central U.S. region. And he will begin on August 22nd, 2022. Brad's been pastor of Connect Church in pella iowa and he served there the past eight years but he's been serving in the crc since 2004 brad has a deep heart for mission strong leadership gifts uh, experience in church renewal i'm really looking forward to getting to know brad and to working with him so staying in the geographically focused mode also want to point you again to inspire 2022 it's happening in chicago we talked about Chicago a lot, August 4th to the 6th, and it's basically this huge conference where we celebrate all things CRC and our unity together. If you can make it, come out. It's been an amazing time. I'm going to be there. Other missional practitioners from all across our denomination will be there. Check out crcna.org slash inspire. Seems intuitive enough. Heading to a different geography, Canada specifically, I also want to let you know about this amazing program called Hearts Exchanged. And basically what it is, is it's forming cohorts of individual church members organized by specific classes. And then these cohorts take an eight-month journey together. Each month they meet for two hours and share with one another what they've been learning and processing and experiencing. But in between times, they spend about five hours just kind of doing some reading uh, some curated uh, resources videos to watch etc and the program is all about getting to know their indigenous brothers and sisters and indigenous neighbors learning a little bit about their journey and learning about our journey as christian settlers in north america uh both what has been what is currently happening and what might be and how we might reimagine things from a christian perspective again having god's mission and vision of shalom in mind an amazing life transforming process i went through it for the first time this past year and i heartily recommend it to anyone and everyone again this is Canadian specific if you're in the US please let your denominational representatives including your regional leaders know hey we would love to see something like this developed in the US uh, but it's an amazing process so I'd encourage you to find out more about it crcna.org slash hearts exchanged and an amazing way to get to know and appreciate uh, your indigenous brothers and sisters and neighbors. Okay. Uh, last of all, I hope that we all have heard today the encouragement that Peter gave us in the beginning to keep the main thing, the main thing, to say yes to what the mission of God is and how the mission of God is calling you and your church. Again, hear that encouragement that Peter gave. Talk with your regional leader, resonate leader, about go local, about witness curriculum, or just reach out to them and say, hey, for myself and my community, can you talk with us? Can you come alongside with us and, and help us to discover and discern what it might look like for my church, my congregation, to more holistically engage with mission? We would absolutely love that. All right. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Please, please, please uh, do review the podcast, especially if you're on Apple iTunes podcasting. You know, if you leave us five stars, that goes a long way. And then if you want to, you know, give us a one-star critique, you, you can just do that privately. Let us know. All right. Thanks again. And we'll see you in the next episode.